Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the way that the iPod is so much more than just something in its in his hand. It's something where we are there and we're getting to experience that in a sense with the character baby uh, that just like elevates it for me and just creates this feeling where I feel like I am a lot more locked into the story because I am following beat by beat the tune to the pacing of the shots and the just what's going on in that world. So my biggest issue with the film is um, the actual story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast. Today I'm joined by Helen. Hello. Lissy. Hi. Karen. Hello. And we're going to be talking about Baby Driver. Thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts and anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello, film fans. Welcome to this episode of FlixWatcher Podcast. Joining us remotely today, we have Lissy and Karen. If you could please say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Hey, well, I'm Karen Gabay. I am a radio presenter and producer. I also am a TV producer, work in TV land, work on music and popular culture documentaries in the main. And I'm a filmmaker as well, um, specialising in archive documentaries and capturing Caribbean heritage here in the UK. And mainly in Manchester. Mainly in Manchester, yeah, yeah. Mancunia. Mancunia. Yes, how's, how are the documentaries going? And, and we'll get on to Lissy's filmmaking as well in a second. Yeah, documentaries are going well. I have a couple of documentaries due on BBC television this summer. Uh, music documentaries, one coming out about Motown in relation to the history of Motown in the UK. And then my own uh, films... We're always very popular, you know, uh, uh, about three of them that are made that were meant to only be shown three or four times, you know, years on, I'm still being requested to show those films because, you know, people have got a real nostalgic trip about Manchester, but I've got a couple um, that are still in the works and yeah, it's one of those where you just have to get down to it and, uh, and have the money together to, um, 
pay for archive because archive is very costly. I imagine it's quite difficult to actually dig into it as well and crate dig into the into the content that you're trying to find. The crate digging works. It takes time, you know, it takes time, but often sometimes as well, people, they hold on to their memories and they wonder what you're going to do with the, the images or whatever you have. But it's always interesting. As soon as you do that or they see something you've done before, then... You know, it's like Pandora's box is open. There's sometimes it can be too late. They'll go, they'll give you everything. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I've been holding on to this for for, for years. Uh, you know, you need to give it to me when I when I ask for it. But I understand that people are. Uh, this can be trauma attached to memories. Yeah. Um, there can be, you know, sometimes you bury things deep. You forget about things as well, don't you? We're we're just we're we're busy. We forget about things. The pandemic's changed things a lot. A lot of people have reflected more and looked through the memorabilia more. So I think that's going to change in terms of people releasing their footage and their images to you. People understand now that uh, memories are important to keep going. Uh, okay, we'll head over to Lissy. Who are you? Um, well, I'm Lissy. <laughs> <Who are you? laughs> um, I'm Lissy Simpson. I um, I do a little bit of everything. Um, so like in the last year I've like filmed things, um, like with the camera or taking audio or, um, I've worked in development and TV. Um, and I'm about to be an assistant script editor on a, um, CBB show called Jojo and Grand Grand, oh, wow. um, which is really show. exciting. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's really exciting. Um, I'm a little bit of a fan as well. So I'm like, yeah, psyching myself up for doing that, which should be really good. What, what age range is Jojo and Grand Grand for? It's um, it's it's for preschoolers, so the little little babas. But I think adults can watch it because it's about three generations of a Caribbean family. So yeah. I've encouraged adults to watch it, and it's a nice little time out. I think it's the first British animated uh, show that has a black family as the leading family. Which is like crazy because you think it's 2022 and um, it's only been going for a couple of years, but it's like, yeah, feels good at the same time to like say that that has actually happened now and happened for the age range of, you know, like real like babies, like three year olds. And like another thing that's really good about the show, I'm just, I'm now just talking about the show and rather than my own self, but another thing that's good about the show is that <laughs> it, it is delivered in a way where it's not it's not just for um like black kids but they also have like kids like they have live action segments where it's kids of every single color just doing something and getting to like experience something and then it becomes like this massive community feel to it which i just i really love but anyways um that's what i'm about to be doing <laughs> i also um i i write but more for catharsis so i do like short films nice Right. Um, well, your talk, you, you're the one that chose uh, Baby Driver. Can you tell us why you chose it first of all, Lissy? And then I'll get the and I'll get the timer up, and they can give us a short synopsis. So the reason why I, t- I chose Baby Driver is um, because I saw it in the cinema and I had to be forced to see it because I don't like car films. Um, <laughs> and uh, my dad said to me, "Yeah, it's about this guy who's in a car and he drives fast." And I was like, "This sounds horrible and rubbish." Um, and then I went and saw it, and it kind of blew me away just from a technical point of view. Um, I saw it before I wanted to work in TV. So I still didn't see it as like a world that I could be in, which I think helped a little bit in terms of like, I can't believe that there are people that are so good at what they do and have and and are able to create like such like art 
just the meticulous detail that went into like planning each scene and like the music and like how like you can you can basically remold the way that film is presented and and not just have something like sound as like an additional piece to the film whereas mm. it's like actually an integral part of the film just like blew me away i also have tinnitus so i was like a little part of me was just like i get it but, you felt seen. <laughs> you felt yeah. seen. okay and can you give us the synopsis in 60 seconds or less countdown's timer starts now so baby is a driver he's a getaway driver and he's trying to do his last job for a gang leader um and it all goes a bit haywire because he happens to get into a relationship with a lovely girl called deborah at this around about the same time and he has to make a decision whether he's going to choose a life with deborah or whether he's going to be trapped into a life of crime lovely awesome um karen what are your thoughts on baby drivers had you seen it before I hadn't seen it before. It's something yeah, that I know. Oh, wow. I knew that it it was it was high on my list and I knew that it's something that I should have seen because people had raved about it. And I know that people had gone to see it more than once and, and film critics the same. And and I like, I love John Hamm, love Jamie Foxx, you know, but I hadn't seen it. But I loved it. It's a Shazam film, shall I say that? It's one of those, as soon as it starts, <laughs> you've got your phone at the ready. Because even if you know the tunes, because the, the way that it comes at you, you're like, let me just check who that is. Um, <laughs> so from the from the outset, I, I love a great soundtrack and I love a soundtrack where it feels like that is how you are in your life. I'm a music lover. So to me, that feels like, you know, you go through your life with music in the background or mm. music to get you through whatever it is you're doing, the trials and tribulations. And I love that. And I love the aesthetic of the film. I love the balance of the darkness you know, because, you know, there's a dark side to it. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, as well as the way the humour's delivered. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. Loved it. I mean, I, I get that kind of, on, on this rewatch, I remember having that thing where sometimes I just, I can't leave the house until I find the right tune for me before I feel happy. Or yeah. like, So I get that. I'm nowhere near as bad as Baby, you know, restarting the, the heist, waiting for the right, waiting for the beats coming. But I definitely have that thing where I'm like, not this song. Not this song. I, I'm one of these Not people that I have done it. I've even done it on holiday, getting in a taxi and the, the music ain't right. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> done it. Did it with you, but with friends like this, this is not happening. I'm not listening to Dexy's Midnight Runners for the net. No, 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 no. So. <laughs> Wait, where are you with Baby Driver, Helen? Um, so yeah, I saw it at the cinema and had a good time with it. Yeah, loved, loved the soundtrack and had a lot of fun with it. This is the only other time that I've seen it. And mm. I think as, as we'll probably discuss, a couple of names come up for the credits at the start and you're like, oh, yeah. So it was a different experience watching it this time around. But yeah, we've already talked about the the soundtrack um, and the, the Jamie Foxx is in it for kind of a small role, but I think he's kind of great as a really kind of mad, crazy person. And um, the, the one joke, which I still think is really, really funny, is the Michael Myers, Mike Myers <laughs> mask joke, where they all turn up with Austin Powers masks, not the, the Halloween ones, which I still think is very, very, very funny. But yeah, it's, it's Edgar Wright. He kind of makes films that look great, sound great, full of mm. pop culture references, very loud, very bright, very shiny. Yeah, I think after Tarantino on this podcast, Edgar Wright is our most uh, frequented director. We've had Shaun of the Dead and um, Scott Pilgrim versus the World uh, on here as well. I did almost choose that one. <laughs> well, you, well, you can yeah. never. It's already been picked. <laughs> it's already been picked. You can listen to the episode. 
it was recorded just before lockdown started. So wow, two years ago we recorded that. Insane. But yeah, there's I think sometimes I think if you didn't have any music on or or, or audio, you can probably tell you could probably have a guess of what, what film would be Edgar Wright. In the same way you could probably do with, with Wes Anderson as well. There's definitely an aesthetic and in, in terms of editing. Actually, be, it'd be very difficult actually with Edgar Wright because he, he, times, he times transitions a lot with, with a beat or a, or yeah, a, or yeah. a sound so impact. When he did the first scene, um, mm. which was a scene that he kept going back to as he was shooting it. So you mean I, the so, car scene or the, the coffee? Yes, the, the opening scene with the car and the getaway. Yeah. Um, yeah. He... So he went in and he had animatics and he had the script. And he, if you look at the script, he wrote the script exactly to match the song. So mm. he put like the lyrics in. It's like, it's a five minute song. He's got five pages. It's like, he, he was very, he's a very meticulous man. Um, <laughs> I'm such a fangirl of his because I just, incredible mind. Um, and he was working on the idea for like, 20 years i think he started it in the 90s and he yeah. just had the john spencer like album like just going round and round and round and round um as he was thinking about it and then he suddenly started thinking about cars and a car chase and this idea of just like matching bell bottoms to a pursuit like i read something where other people that were crew members were talking about how like they were so they'd never been around someone who had been that prepared for a shooting before but then I read something that he wrote where he basically said that he just wanted it to be like car chase worthy. And because he just wanted it to always be that little bit better, he actually kept going back to it again and again and again. And he had an actor called uh, John Burnfall, who yeah. um, is only, I think, in that one scene. But he ended up being there for the entire shoot just because like Edgar wouldn't release him. Like they, it was always like that next little scene that they needed to add in just that bit more, just that bit more, just that bit more. And I feel like you get that with his films like every time. I, I was interested when, I mean, you guys are directors, when uh, directors start off with something small. Um, in fact, I mean, Shaun of the Dead was quite was quite a technical film, but and Space was quite technical. But then to step up to do car chases, especially in the way that he did it, it didn't just like follow a car going round some corners quickly. He had the cars interweaving between lorries that were passing each other in reverse, and that's that's. It was quite a glow up, wasn't it? From like yeah. the Simon Pegg films to like this, you were like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so Helen, you talked about the the elephant in the room. Should we, should we talk about him for a minute? Yeah, so, well, Kevin Spacey's in it and Ansel <laughs> Elgart's in it as well. Uh, they're both rotters. And I mean, Ansel, Ansel Elgart's a, like the weakest, by far the weakest actor in, in this by miles. Like he's awful in West Side Story and he's awful in this, but because of his character, he sort of get away, gets away mm. with not being very good. Yeah, I mean, spoilers, like kind of cheered when Kevin Spacey got hit by a car. I mean... You're kind of like, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's 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 difficult. I think to at, at this point now for me to kind of separate the the you know the the art from the reality. So it, it really was, it really hurt me um, when I read. Well, I mean, so first was Kevin Spacey, um, and that one just blew me away. And I didn't even think of like baby driver, but when, um, an allegation came out about An Ansel, Ansel, I, I always get his name wrong. Ansel but, um, yeah. Um, that one hurt me a lot because I was like, that's my favorite 
film <laughs> and that's like like coming up to like a quarter of the main cast that have got allegations against them and um you know i'm never going to stand by the side of the uh the person who's been accused um because yeah especially as a woman no way um yeah. it's just it was just really sad that it yeah i mean I, the reason why i love the film is just because it's of the technical side of it and it's not really about their performances for me it's more just about like how the film makes you feel particularly with the music so and i think i think sometimes oh sorry um when it is the an actor involved in a film and they're not the main kind of bit, the main player. Obviously, Ansel got a bigger is a is a is a thing here. I think it becomes a lot more difficult um, if if it's the creator that's involved in the film and and everything. Sometimes the um, I, can, I find it easy to separate the fact that Kevin Spacey it's not Kevin Spacey's film. He didn't create this. He didn't put this all together. And I'm well aware that the amount of people involved in this film during the shooting, during the pre preparation and the post editing and thinking you don't want their, you don't want their time and their effort and the, the results to be, to be washed away. But it is hard to then think one of my favorite scenes when I saw it in the cinema was when there's a song when Kevin Spacey's character is talking about the heist and Jamie, Jamie Foxx is looking at baby and thinks, thinks baby's not paying attention. Yeah. Kevin, Day, Kevin Spacey's kind of doing this dance in time and the music, which, which, which Edgar Wright has set up. And then, then it plays out. Jamie Foxx is like, he's not been paying attention. And he repeats verbatim the heist. And then when I watched it this time, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I was looking forward to that bit again. But because it's all focused on Kevin Space and how he moved, it does, it does kind of take you out of it. It does, then, I think. Yeah, I think it takes yeah. away from it because I think... Yeah, you know, as Lizzie says, it's about the technicalities. But for me, it's about, you know, it's, it's a great... It's a wonderfully cast film, isn't it? Mm. You know, that's also the strength of it. And aside from Kevin Spacey's, you're not, you're not, he's not surprised in the way he's cast in, in respect to the others. Uh, but it is just the fact that because of the way those characters interplay, now when you see him come on, you're a bit like, oh, you know. Um, and that's and, and that's the difficulty of it because it's not just kind of like one thing against him. It's also the way that he's handled everything as well publicly that kind of just makes you go oh but you as you say he's not the central character um and it's not all kind of like it's all based on on him and, and his input into the role but it just makes you look at him in slightly a different way you, you judge his performance slightly differently I know I, I do uh, and, and that's it and that's the difference with it um it, you don't view it in the same you don't view it in the same light at all so Moving away from Kevin Spacey, let's look at the other, other players on the bench. Um, <laughs> Lissy said an actor called John Bernthal. I was, for me, it's just, yeah, that's John, John, yeah, John Bernthal. Why, the why famous actor. Say... <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I, I first saw him in The Walking Dead. Yeah. Probably the first time, but he's been in tons of stuff. Like, he's, mm. he's like, he's a face that you're like, oh, it's him. And like, you know, he always, always gives it 100% as well. So it's always fun. I kind of would have liked him a little bit longer in the film, I think. Well, so he was there on he was there the whole time. He could have just plugged him in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's um there's a quote of him um that Edgar Wright said where uh when Edgar Wright apologized to him, he said, um, look, if this acting shit was easy, anybody would do it. So <laughs> he is a hard worker. Um and also um I think sort of going back to what we were just saying, but sort of moving forward at the same time, if you look at um there's two things that I think of. So one of the things is it's similar to the 
Noel Clark situation recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people put a lot of work into the TV show that he was in. And then suddenly it, it was dropped off of TV and you could still watch it online. And that's kind of sad for everyone else that worked on it. And uh, it's a very complicated thing to work out. Um, and then I think another thing that you can think of is that Edgar Wright, at least from what I've seen, any time that he's brought up Baby Driver, he specifically uses John Hamm, yeah. <laughs> um, who is just like, if anything comes out about him ever, I'm going to cry because I do love him. And I, I'm obsessed with Mad Men. That's like another show that I just like devoured in like me one too. summer. Me same, too. Same for yeah. me as well. And I wonder, watching this, it's like, why did it take so long for John Hamm to get a break? That's <laughs> what it makes me think. You know, he is just... It just lights up the screen, doesn't it? And yeah. you know, and and it's a world away from what you've seen him before. And I just think, you know, it took him so long to, to get the recognition. And that's the other thing about watching this. You think you don't want that to take away from the versatility, the versatility of him as a, an actor. He's, he's a really good comedic actor as well, isn't he? And yeah. he's, he's in um, in Thirty Rock. He's, he plays an amazing guy. In in uh, Mad Men, he plays this really kind of stoic, like alpha male kind of character. Uh, in this, he plays a character I've not recognised him from yeah. um, at all beforehand, and so you know he's, he's a good actor. <laughs> I don't know why I'm, I don't know why I'm surprised at that. He's I got think, a great face as well, very yes. classic, like handsome face. I think didn't didn't George Clooney take a while to pop as well? Yes, he did. Yeah, he mm. did. He did. It took him, you know. Um, you know, as in, you know, in later life, thirty over over thirty. It was before he before he made it. Uh, again, it's the it's same type of thing, and Clooney had the classic look, but John Hamm does have that classic face that you feels very Hollywood, but old Hollywood, and that's also what makes it him attractive when you watch him because you feel like don't know, you feel like getting something super special in terms of what he brings to the screen. I feel that with him. Other guys on the bench, we've got John Bunthill. Two people that cropped up briefly. Um, it's Flea. I know. Yeah, it's a nice nod towards the musical side as well that they had an actual musician in it. Cause does he do much acting? Please? He's been in a few films. Yeah, it does. Okay. It, it does more than you. Th- he props up in things for like ten minutes. Is I don't think I've ever seen him more than ten minutes. <laughs> he is in, in like ten minutes of the film after all. Yeah, yeah. isn't Big Lebowski? Yeah, um, I can't. Remember. There's lots. There's there's a few things he's been up to like, just a bit. He he also did um, the film with uh, Tom. The music for Edward Norton's last director film with tom york so he's kind oh, of got like these, yeah they kind of got these like flea film collection con- connections here and there i do like it when people are talented in multiple ways and unexpectedly so and can can, can mix around oh was he in was he in, was he in point break that was anthony kiedis wasn't it yeah that was kiedis is definitely in it i can't remember if flea is in it as well he might be i can't remember but he's definitely been in other films and we, we haven't talked about um, Lily James. Yeah, Lily James. Kind of before the before she was the Lily James-ish. Mm. In my mind, I hadn't really seen her in anything. Well, she played mm. Cinderella in Kenneth Branagh's uh, Cinderella, and that's where I saw her before this. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure it's a, it's a fully thankful role that she played here. It's one of those romances where I don't quite believe it. Yeah, so I so this is the, my biggest issue with the film is um, the actual like story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, the you know the big the big the moment 
of change in Baby is the moment when he meets Debbie and um, the romance between him and Debbie really makes me cringe a bit. Like when it cuts to like black and white and he's like imagining like them driving off together and I'm just a bit like, oh, this is a bit too cheesy now. Um, Yeah. And like the bits where it's really hard because it's so nice to look at them in a laundrette where there's like, red 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 yellow 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 blue 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 all just like in perfect unison in these like um, washing machines behind them but like yeah in actual it just there's something about when you see two characters just acting that gooey together and a scene that's just that perfectly set up for acting gooey together that just <laughs> forces me out a bit more and makes me go this doesn't feel real at all it's my biggest issue with Baby Driver is the romance. It's Did just... you not feel that it was, I know it's had criticism for that, but I felt it was done with a, a 1950s TV kind of uh, romance hat on in the fact of that, you know, when you're very idealistic about something. So as a teen, yeah. you're very idealistic. I felt that that's, how, that's what they were tra- it was trying to drop in. Yeah, I um, suppose you're right that you get you get the experience of baby on lots of different levels. You get the the driver, the romantic, um, the you know sad story of his like mother dying in the car crash and like how that has brought on the tinnitus, which is like the like health things that he's got going on, the relationship with his um, adopted dad. Like, yeah, there's a lot of different layers to the character i hadn't really considered the romantic bit i loved that side of things with with joe yeah um yeah. i thought that was one of the one of the loveliest things about the film i forget i, I forget it each time when you think about baby driver you don't rem- i don't remember that as, as a feature and then when you see joe again he's like yeah spread it to the make sure you spread it to the edges <laughs> why wouldn't you yeah <laughs> what kind of a spreader was baby how, why does why does he need to remind baby each time how to spread bread yeah that's, i was just gonna say that's and, you know, that doesn't get enough credit. You know, every time you know, we hear about an, another film that uses sign language or whatever, they skip over that. That's done in a very touchy way, in a real-life way, as if, you know, mm. if you're a carer um, and, and also a young carer, you know, about how that plays out in life. And, and yeah. I feel that's done in a very natural and beautiful way. And I think not enough kind of credit was given to that introduction of, into, a, um, you know, a big A-lister movie. Because sometimes it would be the whole film, though, wouldn't it? Yeah. Be... yeah. Well, I would like make a big thing, thing out of it and get, yeah. really like hone in on, oh, he's deaf. Like, <laughs> what are <deaf laughs> about? Like, they can be in films. It's so sad when he's left outside of that care home, though. And I also was watching it like he doesn't seem old enough to <laughs> just be <laughs> put away. But yeah, I wish there were more scenes with him in. Yeah. Um, so they like the genuine relationship in there. I think generally women are not that well written in this film. They're kind of there as personal trauma, love interest, yeah, other sexy love interest. So you've kind of got demure singing love interest or like hot sexy love interest. And I'd, I'd kind of like to see a bit more, yeah, sort of depth to female characters in this. I think, but I'll say that's kind of something that Edgar Wright has across the board a little bit i mean i'm saying that and he's my favorite director and i'm a woman and i'm very big on like you know women's rights and like you know telling things from a female point of view but um i he still generally has to do a bit of work i think in terms of 
creating a female character that feels like they're there for more than just to be a support bag or just someone to make the male character feel desired. Yeah. But didn't we have that bit in one night in so- last night in Soho? I, I thought we weren't allowed to talk about it. <laughs> no, I've, I've not seen it. Um, no, I... we could talk about there being a female, two female leads in that. I guess that's uh, so. That's that's a change up from the from. Uh, yeah, uh, but I'd still. Gonna, I'm not asking I've for got, spoilers I've seen, here. Yeah, I mean, I've still got some arguments to say what that... their agency is in 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 that. Even you can make someone the lead, but what their purpose still in that is a bit yeah. murky. I think. I think the lead in Last Night in Soho is, is is better than his other female characters. I'm trying to remember the name of the character of uh the other the other female character isn't as as strong, I'll say that. Um okay, so last two guys, well Jamie Foxx, you touched upon Karen, who has a great malevolent streak for what, maybe 20, 30 minutes of screen time. Um it's one of the, I think as an actor you must you must have that you must enjoy just turning up in a film for a short period of time and overruling it and then skipping off into the distance <laughs> and having a great death as well. He's so good in this. <laughs> it does look like he enjoys himself, like in all his scenes as well. Like he's actually yeah. getting something out of it. Mm. And it's generally fearsome as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the good. To, it's good to see that side of him, isn't it? You know, you really kind of believe he's taking issues with the with the iPod. <laughs> <laughs> And um, uh, and he really comes at you through the screen. Uh, Jamie in it makes me wish that I had seen it at the cinema because I feel that he, you know, you feel that he commands that. I mean, you even get that watching it on the small screen. But you, I really would love to see to see to see him on on the big screen because um, uh, you really feel he's coming at you for for whatever's upset him at, in that moment. Yeah, he's he's brilliant in this. Well, as we're talking about uh, seeing this on the big screen, should we head to the scores and we can carry on talking about Baby Driver whilst we're ranking it? Hello, I'm Sam Pay. And I'm Martin Zolt-Sorstwick. And we are the two hosts of a podcast called Song, Song by, by Song, Song, where we listen every week to a track by the musical artist Tom Waits. Uh, you might know him for his gravelly voice. <coughs> very nice. His appearance in films, but also his multi-decade spanning career uh, involving blues, jazz, and all sorts of other kinds of experimental music. So we're basically like a book club for Tom Waits. And if that sounds like your cup of tea, you can find us at songbysongpodcast.com or wherever you get podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So welcome to the Flix Watcher scores. All of the scores are out of five. You can have decimal places and we'll start with you, please, Lizzie, with your recommendability. 4.6. 4.6. Very precise, Lizzie. <laughs> We've had we'll have more potentially in this in this recording. Four point six. And, and why four point six? Where did it lose the, the point four for you? I think it loses it in when you watch it back. I don't think it's a fault of the film. I think it's just the the sad element to its casting. Um 
that you know you're never gonna have a five-star film with kevin spacey <laughs> i'm really sorry karen i'm giving it a four uh, first time watch in there with a four yeah yeah because i think it from the from the moment it starts it kind of carries you through and then it starts the real joy and uh so for and i think it loses it for the two dodgy males in there <laughs> but i think it is a film that you would even though it's got its dark side to it, it's got a re- it really kind of uplifts you. There's nothing like a, a great soundtrack, an unpredictable soundtrack. And I, and I love music that actually uh, matches the script and matches that kind of mood. And it's not done in an obvious way. Uh, it's always done in a surprising way. And, uh, and I love the casting of it, apart from, you know, the two that we talk about. But I do love yeah. the casting of it. I, I don't think you would... They're like a dream cast in a way, but but you would never, if someone had to say to you, who would you put in this film? You wouldn't put Jamie Foxx next to John Hamm, I don't think. Helen? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go for a four as well. I mean, you've, you've talked about it briefly, but it is like, technically it's insane. Like the the, <laughs> the look and feel of it and just kind of like the uh, like the jump that it, he made from kind of like the, the Simon Pegg films to this, like watching it again, we've talked about it very briefly, but the car chases are kind of insane. Like, I don't know where you'd begin to start with kind of like all the, the camera work and everything like that. So on that point, it, you know, I'd recommend it, but for anyone who hasn't seen it, it would be like, it's got Kevin Spacey and Ansel Lego in it. So like, ooh, I don't know how you feel about it. So a good solid four, I think. Yeah, um, I, I don't think I'd, I'd, I'd give the warning that Kevin Space is in it. Um, but apart from that, yeah, recommend it to a lot of people. And I'd also just say, look, pay attention. Because one thing I did was, I, this is the third time watching it. And this kind of leads into my repeat viewing score. The first time, first time watching it, I was just watching it in this, watching the cinema. I was like, this is really cool. I like, I like the effect and the whiz bangery of it. And then I read some reviews about how lots of scenes were timed to the beat, which are some, of the, some of them are caught and some of them I didn't. And like when he's going to make the coffee, how all the graffiti was revealing the lyrics, and which I didn't notice in the cinema. And I had to go back, like literally a couple of days later, after reading an article to watch in the cinema. And I was like, you fucking idiot. You missed all this beautiful stuff. Um, so yeah, I recommend this to people highly and also recommend that they pay attention. And there's that scene with the uh, tequila when, when they're shooting, every, all the shots are on time with the beats for tequila. Yeah, I didn't get that in the cinema. And to rewind that, yeah, to rewind that, that was the thing about it. You're saying you miss things. You, you you kind of blink and you think, did I miss something there? I had to go back and watch it again. Yeah, there's always uh, little things. Like in the opening scene, all the other cars are muted apart from like the red cars. And then I'm pretty sure when they leave the red car, they go into a green car. So it's kind of like the shift in like urgency. Um, and like Hocus Pocus, mm, uh, like, like that, like, yeah, and matching like uh when he hits like a table with his feet when he's running along Mm -hmm. or like the gunshots matching just everything yeah um so i'm gonna give it a 4.4 uh repeat viewing score let's see um yeah uh (laughs) really want to say five so i'm gonna say five because i i have watched it about 10 times um and like we were just saying it's just the fact that you can always watch it and like find something else to really mm. enjoy about it. And I think 
it's not really, I mean, it's not for me to say, um, because I'm not someone who would be triggered by the, the accusations that were against Ansel and, um, Kevin Spacey, but I think that at least I can shift myself from a position of, um, watching it and thinking about those two characters to watching it and thinking about lots of different things because of all the different little details that were put into the film as it was being made, um, that I can kind of, I can say, I can kind of push them to one side and go, look at all this other really amazing stuff that's also going on that I can, yeah, I can get a level of enjoyment each time I watch it. Karen? I'll say 4.7. I say it's, uh, even for the first five minutes, you have to watch that <laughs> on repeat because I love as he's walking against the graffiti uh, mm. and the, and and I don't know, uh, Harlem Shuffle is just such a great uh, song to open to open the film with. Uh, but it well, it's a second song, isn't it? Second so you've song, got yeah. John John Spencer Blues Explosion, Bell Bottoms, yeah, and then then into that. And then so it goes into that. Yes, you right. Yeah, right, yeah. So yeah it's, then it goes it's into one of that. my favorite intros to any film ever. I think. Yeah, it's just uh, yeah, just even for that, it's one of those that I know some people would just literally have on repeat, and you before you'd even get to a quarter of the way into the film, so definitely got a high repeat factor for me Helen so this is the second time watching it and this despite the ugness, um I, I really enjoyed revisiting it um for this episode but I think I'm probably probably done for watching it so I'm going to give it a three <laughs> no worries I think I yeah I really enjoyed it I think um and this is the third time, like I said, the second time, which it was a couple of days after watching the first time. Um, and I don't think I'll watch it frequently, but one I'll, I'll always look forward to that time and think, oh yeah, Baby Driver. Yeah, let's pop that on. Um, so this 4.1, small screen score, let's see. Uh, so I think that, so I first saw it in cinema and every time since I've watched it, either on my laptop or my TV, uh, one time I watched it on my iPhone. Doesn't hold up the same. <laughs> I'm a strong believer in like if you if you have something that is really incredible, you can watch it on any different size viewing device that you have. Um, I'm not one of those people that says that you have to watch it in the cinema and it has to be the exact way that you know filmmakers intend it to be. But yeah, it does. It is something that is a lot better when you see it in the cinema. So what score does that give you? Can you put that into a number for us? Yes, I can. Here? Sorry, <laughs> um, three point eight. Sure. <laughs> comes Questioning close yourself. To it comes close. Three point eight. Uh, Karen, I would give it a three point five for watching it on the small screen. I think that it 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 works um, when you watch it on the small screen, but um, I you can just sense that it that you would get everything including the sound because you know if you're watching something with an, an incredible soundtrack and also a heist film with incredible car chases and you know and all the the the, the uh, shooting scenes that are going off that you definitely want to hear that in a Dolby surround sound cinema but I'm not one of these people that you know that have got um a sound bar at home or anything like that so imagine if you've got a sound bar that might help have, I, have any of you got one <laughs> No, you know, um, yeah. I wonder does that make a difference? I mean, it makes a difference, but I think that this is definitely one you. Anyway, so what was it? Three point five. Yes, Helen. 
I'll go three point five as well. Uh, I I think if there's like if it's on at like the Prince Charles and you live in London, then you should go and watch it at the cinema. It's it's much better on the, a big screen. It's the combo of the sound and the, and the music it just really works well if you you've got that great sound and really big, really loud. Yeah, big sound. Um, you do you do well out of it. Um, so um, it, it's it's. It's not, you know, it's not super flashbang wizardry like a, a Marvel or a Star Wars kind of film, but the aesthetics of it and the how it time and the editing of it really does lean for the, into the cinema experience. So yeah, three point five for this engagement score, Lissy. Five. Five. <laughs> no more. <laughs> um, I, I, it, for me, it's just. Um, it's the way that the iPod is so much more than just something in its in his hand. It's something mm. where we are there with him and we're listening to the music with him and we're getting to experience that in a sense with him, the character baby, uh, that just like elevates it for me and just creates this feeling where I feel like I am a lot more locked into the story because I am following beat by beat the tune to the pacing of the shots and the just what's going on in that world um just yeah the the music and the way and just how well each song is um just dropped in just yeah it does feel like just someone's really meticulous playlist that they've spent a really long time putting together and just that feeling of when you go out on the street and you're you've got your ipod playing or your it's not really ipods anymore you've got spotify playing you've got your headphones in you're walking down the street and you feel like you're in a music video and you start Mm. thinking if this was a music video this would be like the wide shot this would be like the close-up this would be the moment when i look knowingly at the camera like those kind of like moments that you start to have in your head where you start to feel like you are a main character just like it's so satisfying to see it in a film i just yeah i can't describe um that feeling that i get karen engagement score i would say 4.8 i think uh it's one of those films that if you aren't giving it your full attention you're conscious of it because you know that you've looked away or you've been distracted and you've missed something and so i think you've got to be fully immersed in this film when you watch it helen uh yeah i'm going to give it a 4.5 it's one of those films that's got a few kind of like fake endings where you like it's ended or it's not ended they're doing a bit more it kind of stretches out a little bit and this time around kind of the romance was a little bit of a drag i think i definitely enjoyed the more kind of like heisty bits and when the energy is really going than when it's you know with the romance bits yeah let's go for 4.5 why not 4.52 um yeah again i think the romance does take away from the, 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 the speed and the pace of the film. I'd forgotten about the bit at the end where the, he goes to um, he goes to court and then all the people who he'd kind of helped along the way come in and, and vouch for his, his, for his good character. Um, and that, you know, that takes a bit more time and then, you know, it gets out with, with, with good service and that, that kind of drags it up at the end. But still, yeah, I mean, I've watched, I've watched it three times, but I think I've, I've seen the first 10 minutes, you know, so many times on YouTube and stuff. So it's, um, the engagement score is high. And that gives us an overall score of 4.1250. Decent, very decent. Uh, Lissy and Karen, can you sign off by telling listeners where they can find you online, where they can find the works you do, your website, books, anything? 
Plug away. You can find me online at karengabay.co.uk, Soul of Manchester. That's G-A-B-A-Y. It is G-A-B-A-Y, yes. Soul of Manchester. G-A-B-A-Y, <laughs> And you can find me on BBC Sounds. My radio show is called The People, so you can look there, find me there. Oh, wow. Uh, it's on Sunday nights from 8 o'clock every Sunday, but you can always listen back on BBC Sounds. And where else can you find me? Yeah, just look for my name on the end of the credits. You know, when they try and squeeze them in, in the last 40 seconds. Hate that. But yeah, <laughs> I'm there as well. Kaz Gabay, if you want to find me on Insta or Twitter. For however long I stay on Twitter. We'll see. <laughs> well, now that Elon's taken it. Yeah. Uh, and Lissy. You can find me lissysimpson.co.uk. I wish that mine rang like as well as karengabay.co.uk. That's like a little bit of a <laughs> tongue twister. Um, yeah, lissysimpson.co.uk uh, and Instagram, Lissy Shoots. Um, and I have a Twitter, but I don't use it that much. So, Guys, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure to rewatch Baby Driver. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Woo. Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at FlixWatcherPod on Twitter and we're at FlixWatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood audio tell them flix what you sent you you just heard a stripped media production